This morning, we're, we're going to focus this morning, our, our Christmas message this morning is, is out of Matthew chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 2. And I, I, we're going to talk about um, the journey and God's promise to us as his children. Uh, when's the last time? So the last time you heard of something incredible, that you heard some fantastic news that was going to benefit you in some way, some fashion, some, something that was going to benefit you in a, in a major, in a, a fantastic way. Um, how many of you guys, when you hear good news like that, when you hear news that is beneficial to you, that you want to invest, you want to, you want to go all in on what you hear, um, say, let's just say, for instance, if PJ found a, a, or knew about a, a field, not too far from here. And in that field was a gigantic chest filled with thick gold bars like that are in Fort Knox. Just the thick gold bars. And it was somewhere buried in this field. And, and PJ knew about it. And PJ said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy that field. And he, and he sold his house. He sold his cars. He sold everything he could because he knew this gigantic chest was buried in this field. And there was this humongous amount of gold. I mean, how many of us in the room would want to do that exact same thing? We, we go all in. Say, listen, I'm going all in. Why? Because gold is very precious to us. We find that as a, as a precious thing. I'll never forget. And it's not, as, it's not as great now. You see it now. But I remember um, when Bitcoin first came out in, what was that, 09? I think it was, it was started in 09. Uh, my brother-in-law came to me and he was like, listen, Caleb, you, you, need, to, you need to invest in Bitcoin. And I just thought he was crazy. Man, I, I, I wish I had taken his advice. He, he didn't do it either, but it was just one of those moments. You thought, man I, man, I wish I had invested in Bitcoin in 2009, bought a few hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, because guess what? I'd, I'd be set right now, right? We, we'd, we, I wish we had done that. But when we as human beings know that there is something of great value, we tend to throw everything that we have at that thing in order to go all in because it's a benefit to us, Right? Well, Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, confirm this idea. This is the parable of the hidden treasure. So I, I didn't just pull this idea about PJ buying a field. It's in the, it's in the text. And this is a, it's a comparison to the kingdom of God. Verse 44 of Matthew 13 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he covered it up, and with great joy, he goes and sells all that he has so that he could buy that field. Verse 45 says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like this, a merchant in search of a fine pearl, and when he finds the one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had to go buy that one pearl. Like, so as we're sitting here this morning, as you woke up, as you got up and you walked around your house and you saw the gifts around the tree and you saw all the things that are going on with this season, we're looking back on what took place when Jesus came the first time. And listen, this season, if you notice people, it stirs our affections, it stirs our hearts, it stirs our joy um, to, to see the things of Christ. And we now, with great anticipation, we're looking forward. This is us in 2022. Fix it to be in 2023. We're anticipating and we're looking forward to the, the coming of Christ the second time. The, the kingdom of God is 
on its way. And I, and I think that if we truly understood all the ramifications of what God is doing, we, we'd live our lives totally different. Amen. Like we, we, we completely change how we go about our day. Our affections would be stirred towards the things of God rather than ignoring the things of God. And, and that we would change our allegiances and the things that we're, we're allegiant to or, or loyal to. We'd move our affections towards the things that are otherworldly. And, and when I see this story that we're about to read in Matthew chapter 2, my heart is stirred because what these men did that you're about to see in the text is absolutely mind-blowing. And it, it took time, effort, resources to do what these men are doing. And so this morning we're talking about the wise men. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we're going to talk about the wise men. I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Matthew. And I want you guys to think about this because, as I said at our, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that Micah chapter 5, verse 2 gives, gave the location of where Jesus was going to be born. Isaiah chapter 9 told of the birth of a child that was going to have the, the government on his shoulder. And so... Knowing the text, understanding the Bible is key to understanding that Christ, uh, the, the actions and, and the things that Christ is going to do. So I want to start in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east. And they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose... And he came, and we came to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, well, in Bethlehem. How do we know that? Well, the prophets tell us. Now they're quoting Micah chapter 5, verse 2 here. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For among you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And when he had sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for this child. And when you find him, bring him Bring word of him to me that I may too go and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. And they departed and went their own way by another direction. So, history shows us. I, I did some research on this. History shows us that these men were probably from an area in the region of either Iraq present-day present Iraq, Iran, or Saudi Arabia. Somewhere in that neighborhood. More, more specifically, it was in probably the area of Iran. Now, I want you to understand from Iran to Jerusalem, 
to Israel was 1,470 miles. That's not a small trek for anybody, even in 2022. If we're going to go 1,470 miles, we're going to make some provision, right? If you're going across country, you're going to buy the necessary things. You're going to get enough fuel. You're going to have a, make sure you have enough resources. Let's transport back to the day of Jesus. There were no cars, amen? There were no vehicles per se. They've got, what, 1,470 miles to go from Persia to Israel, So understandably, these men made some pretty hefty investments and sacrifices in order to go see this king, this child that was going to be born and to worship him. The most costly was their time. Think about the amount of time it would take to travel 1,470 miles one direction. So this this took some time. So the, on, this is how we know that the, the wise men didn't show up in Bethlehem at the, at the manger. Because that was the night they saw the star. They saw the great star the night that Christ was born. And they were like, oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. From reading the text, we, we come to understand these men understood the writings of the prophets. And their desire was to, to come and to worship the Messiah. The Magi, these, these three these three men, and it probably was more than three men. We, we, we have three gifts that were recorded, so we assume that it, there's just three wise men. But it was actually a myriad of men. It was a group of magi. They were men that were trained in astrology, dream interpretations, and other um, ancient religious mysteries. They studied the skies, and they knew the stars and their significance. Because the scripture tells us that God puts these things, puts the stars in the skies, the sun, the moon, all the different things that are in the skies as signs for his people. And so these men had been studying the text. They've been studying the stars. They've been understanding all the mysteries of these stars and their significance. And this was the reason they made their journey. This is the reason these guys made their journey to where this Christ child was born. God set the star in the sky as a sign that, listen, Jesus is here. The Messiah has come. It was a, it was a bold declaration. It wasn't a small little star. It was a gigantic, brilliant thing in the sky that all could see. But it was only for those who understood and were looking. I mean, a lot of people saw it, but they're just like, oh, that's cool. Just like when we see things in the sky, there's a lot of people say, well, that's neat. That's interesting. Things, you know, like a blood moon, like things that are uh, an eclipse. People say, well, those, those are interesting. God put those things in the sky for signs to his people. Only those who understood and that were looking for them we're, we're doing their due diligence. I, I got this out of an Advent commentary. I wanted to read this. In the same way that God set a star in the sky to lead the Magi to Jesus, he places his children in their neighborhoods, their workplaces, PTA meetings, and lecture halls to do the same. You and I are light that God chose to use to spread the good news of the gospel to the people who we are around. You don't have to go overseas to share the good news. You can go across the street. Amen? But you don't have to get on a plane and travel. I'm not saying that's not a bad idea. But listen, if you're not willing to cross the street, but you're willing to cross the, the sea, 
you're a little bit hypocritical. Furthermore, if you think that the only people who are going to be in heaven are going to look like you, that's, this is another idea that, that we need to understand. That listen, it's not just you and I that are going to be there. The nations will be there. The nations will be in heaven. Every color, creed, tribe, and tongue will be in heaven. Psalms 86, 9 says, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. I, man, I just love that. I love that the idea that, that, that it's not just the people we think that are going to be there will be there. There's going to be people in heaven that we're going to be going, oh my word, how in the world did they get here? And listen, there may be some people going, how in the world did... They may be looking at you going, how did they get here? Right? Amen? Amen? God is no respecter of persons. I'm telling you, it's... Golly. All right, let's keep going. You can tell from the text that they were wise men. They, they were intelligent. They, they were all on the same page. They said, man, this, they, they'd probably had meetings. They probably had um, some get-togethers where they were discussing these things, talking about these things from a theological and astronomical, just looking at the, at the skies and the different things that were happening. They understood, they understood what was going on. They had a desire to see, and all of them were men of God. They all loved the Lord. They had a desire to serve God, and they wanted to worship the king. So they, they came to Jerusalem, and they asked the leadership where the new king was, because they're thinking in their head, these people are going to understand. They're, they're, they're the Jews. They're going to understand that their king is here. The king's here. Well, they get to Herod. And tell, they unpack this information to the king. And upon hearing this, Herod, he, he, he gets a little nervous. The text says that he's troubled as not only him, but the entire nation or the entire of, of Jerusalem. The entire city of Jerusalem is in concern. They're, up in, they're in an uproar about this. Because why? Herod's thinking, uh-oh, someone's here to take my throne. Someone's here to take my throne. And Herod is guarding his throne judiciously and so Herod's got an agenda now I got to find this kid and stamp him out because I cannot have someone take my throne I can't do this so Herod gathers all the religious people <laughs> he gets all the church people together and says hey listen question guys what, what's going on with this star can you give me some information give me some give me some context what's what's going on with all this why because they viewed, Herod viewed Jesus as a threat to their kingdom. And I'm telling you, the, the rulers of today view the Lord Jesus Christ, biblical Christianity, as a threat to their kingdom. And I'm telling you, there's coming a day when Christ will set his throne up and there will no longer be all the kingdoms of the world. There will be one kingdom, amen? And it will be Christ who rules and reigns from Jerusalem on high. And there will be no more political parties back and forth. It will be Christ and Christ alone. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm ready for that day. I am ready for that day. So basically, you see later in the text, in verses 7 through 8 and verse 16, Herod devises this plan to start looking for these babies. 
And he goes on a mass murdering spree and kills all babies two years old and younger. Because there's about a two, two and a half year span from the birth of Christ to the moment these men come into the equation. So Herod says, okay, all boys that are born in the last two years, cut them down. Cut them down. And, and there were people who had agendas and goals just like today, there were leadership and political people who had goals to try to knock down and destroy the things of God. You and I are going to encounter people as we walk with Jesus who are going to try to derail our calling and our mission and get you distracted with silly, trivial things to try to trick you into doing what they want you to do. Don't overcomplicate the gospel. Don't overcomplicate what the scriptures call us to do. Don't overthink it. Lay it at the feet of Jesus and rest in knowing that he is sovereignly in control of all things. Listen, he's not shocked at who's in the White House or who's in Congress or in the U.S. Senate. He's not up in heaven going, oh, how'd that happen? He's Sovereignly in control over all things. He knows all things. We, all, we know who ultimately is behind all the things that happen in this text. All the wicked and evil and horrible things. Satan knows, uh-oh, Christ has been born. Now listen, Satan knows the scriptures better than most people in the world. He knew, uh-oh, Jesus is here. My demise is coming. He knew what was coming. My demise is coming. He knew what was going on. Creation rejoiced over the birth of their Savior. We saw in Luke chapter 2 how the, the, the skies erupted and there was just massive excitement. The shepherds went and they, they worshipped. There was just massive, massive rejoicing in creation. But the enemy did not share that sentiment. He was afraid because he knew what was coming for him. He knows that with the birth of Christ and what Christ did on Calvary's cross, he knows that the coming of his destruction is near. He, he knew that Jesus being present in and on planet earth changed the game. He, he was doing everything in his power to derail the coming of Christ. But how foolish of him to think that he could overcome God's plan. Just like you and I, we're foolish to think that we can derail God's plan in our lives because God ultimately is going to do what God's going to do. Amen. God's sovereignly in control. God still does what he wants to do, but Satan still tries to do the things that he's going to do to try to deceive those people around him. He still thinks that he's going to be able to overcome. Satan believes that he's going to be able to Overcome this, overcome the king of kings. Look at the book of Revelation. He gathers the armies of the world to try to make war against God. The one who, all he has to do, and scripture says, with one fell word, with one small word, he diffuses the whole thing. He overcomes his enemy with one word. He doesn't even have to lift a finger. He's, I don't know what word he's going to say. I have no clue. But with one word, he destroys his enemies. And what's sad is that Satan has so many people deceived into thinking that he is going to win. I just saw this week, like, the weirdest thing in the world. There's a, there's a church, and I use this term very loosely on the East Coast. 
um, who mixes the worship of God and the worship of Beyonce. I, I kid you not. And they, they try to correlate and mesh together the worship of Christ and the worship of Beyonce as the same. Just weird stuff. And he, Satan, he whispers, whisp, he whispers words of division and deceit to permeate our society. And, and so today, regardless of what's going on, you need to understand that God has you. That the Lord Jesus Christ is sovereignly in control. He's got your family. He's got your circumstances. He has you. He has you. He's more powerful than the enemy can even begin to understand. He is more powerful than the enemy of this present world system. Amen? Just like he was more powerful than Herod, he's more powerful than the U.S. government. He's more powerful than Russia. He's more powerful than all China and all these other different places. He is, what's that song we used to sing? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the, remember that? That's a, chi- that's a childlike faith. That, listen, God's got the whole world in his hands. So the wise men, they leave and they head for their king. They, they leave and they head off to go find the king. And they rejoice on their way, on their way to finding him. And then they, they get to him, and we see it in verse 9 through 11. They go on their way rejoicing. They find the star, and they go to the house where Mary is with baby Jesus. And imagine this. I mean, Mary knows who he is. Mary doesn't stop them from worshiping. Mary doesn't freak out. Mary's like, okay, cool, come on in. And they fall down, and they worship him. They worship him, and then they offer him gifts. Because why? This is the king we want to... Give him just like we give gifts, just like we take off, we give an offering, we, we give things away. Their idea is God would sacrificially want to give to you. And listen, the gifts seem weird. Like, listen, I don't know any, I mean, the only one that is in our minds that is normal is gold. I mean, nobody goes to a baby shower and, like, listen, here's some frankincense, little Susie, little baby Dan, here's some, here's some myrrh. Mom's going to be like going, what? Why are you, why? But you have to understand who Jesus is. These men understood who Jesus was. Gold is associated with kings because Jesus is the king of kings. Now, frankincense, that's a weird thing. What in the world? Why would you bring frankincense in? Frankincense is something that's used in the worship in churches in this day. They used frankincense as an offering of incense for worship. And it showed the people that, that they worshiped Jesus. So they bring this, this incense in before and lay it out and say, he is to be praised, he is to be worshiped, he is to be lifted high. So this gift is a normal gift if that you understand who Jesus is. And these wise men understood who Jesus was. So they laid this gift before the king of kings and said, he is to be praised. He is worthy, just like we should do today. Now, this next one is a strange gift, but who is Jesus? Remember, myrrh. Myrrh was a perfume that you would put on dead bodies. Dead bodies to make them smell nice. Because, and listen, if I die and you put me out in the front yard... If it gets a little warm in the Kansas heat, what happens to a body? Get a, the, old, the old English, he stinketh. 
He smells. So myrrh was perfume that you put on a dead body to make it smell nice. This showed that Jesus, this was a sign that Christ is, was born to die. Christ was born into this world in order that he might die on Calvary's cross to redeem and reconcile those that would believe back to himself. So these men were smart. These men understood theology. They understood the scriptures. They understood what was coming. They understood why Jesus was coming. He was coming to redeem and reconcile the the, the world back to himself. Once the men had seen this, they, they came and they planned out their, their, their journey. They leave, they tell Herod, they, they said, listen, we're going to go tell Herod. In verse 12, verse 11 and 12 after this, they, they were going to go back and they were, remember, why were they going to go back and tell Herod? Because they thought, hey, Herod wants to worship him just like we want to worship him. So they were going to go back. But in verse 12, you see that they were warned by God in a dream not to go back to Herod because Herod had nefarious purposes. So they, they leave and they, they, they go a different direction. They go a different direction. God is always providing protection and leading the way. You see shortly after this, Joseph packs up Mary and his family and they go to Egypt to avoid the mass slaughter that's taking place in, the, in this region. And for a couple years, they're living in Egypt and they go back eventually, but God's always providing protection and leading the way. He's sovereign over all things. No one can derail the sovereignty and the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. They can't, just, just can't. Today, you and I are making a journey of faith, and sometimes that journey can be tough. Can I get an amen from somebody? It can be tough. Anybody walk through some deep waters? Anybody maybe walking through deep waters right now? Listen. God's in the middle of this. We deal with difficulties, roadblocks, and weird people and problematic issues all the time. Anybody? Amen? We're we're just like these wise men. We, We are walking through difficult circumstances and problematic issues every single day. But I'm telling you, when you submit your life to Christ, when you repent of your sins and you trust in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, your life will have rewards. There will be rewards for you being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, being faithful to your calling that will not even be able to compare with what the world could offer. The momentary light afflictions that will come into our lives are but a small road bump to compare with eternity and to compare with the kingdom of God that is going to be laid out before us. Jesus Christ is with us. This is the idea of Emmanuel. We sing about Emmanuel, God with us. God has come to what we celebrate on today, this Christmas morning. What we celebrate is the the goodness and the beauty of who God is. Jesus is with us. Amen. I know that should cause us to get a little excited that Jesus has come with us. Amen. <laughs> Listen, we need to keep our eye on the star. Keep our focus on the guiding light of the gospel. What's our star that we look to? The scriptures. We look to the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is our guiding star right here. The scriptures don't let the world get you distracted with the cares and the worries, but rather stay Committed to the mission. 
that, that Jesus has given you. The mission of God that has been given to you. And, and don't attempt to look like we're, look like we're trying to figure it out. Like, listen, I got it all figured out. Don't be that guy or growl. Don't be that man or woman that says, oh, listen, I've got everything figured out. Because listen, anybody in the room got it figured out? I don't. Your pastor didn't have it figured out. And guess what? That's okay because the one I follow, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the one who has it all figured out. Keep reading the text. Keep digging in. Keep longing to know who God is. And what we need to be doing as followers of Christ is we need to do what God's called us to do. Listen. You're not in charge. I'm not in charge. The sovereign king, the Lord Jesus Christ is. And listen, here's what's crazy is God has created you for such a time as this. God puts you where you are for a reason. And he's chosen you and I to use us to do his will. Like, that's an honor. You talk about a Christmas gift. That's a Christmas gift that God says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give these people Gifts and talents in order that they might know me and promote the kingdom of God. Now go disperse and do what you need to do. What an honor. What a gift. Like as you're opening these gifts this morning, this is what we need to remember. That Christ has done spectacular things for us. That he's done amazing things on our behalf. The king is inviting you and I into his plans. Like, for such a time as this, Christ has made you for the things in the places where you go. The people that you encounter. The things that you, in, that you do. God says, okay, I'm going to create you for just such a time as this. Right? Robert, I'm going to put you where you are. Steve, I'm going to put you where you're at. Amen? I'm going to put you in the places where you go. I'm going I'm to put you in, 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 in the surrounding areas of the people that you need to be around for a purpose and a reason. And what's the purpose and the reason? To advance the gospel. It was like, Caleb, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. Okay. The scripture doesn't say, if you're a preacher, go make disciples. Amen? Scripture says what? Go make disciples. They, listen. The scripture says that these wise men went, went with exciting joy. With exciting joy, they went forward. And, and after hearing this, they went and with great joy and exceeding great joy, they went to go find the king to worship him. And then they, they wanted to go tell everybody about it. But God said, listen, there's certain people you don't need to listen to. This. Don't, don't go waste your time with this guy because he's got a nefarious plan. Go over here another way and go tell the good news over here. The king's inviting you in to do some things. And we need to be willing to go and be ready and able to do what Christ has called us to do. Amen? That's, that's Christmas. He came as a small... And listen, He came as a small child the first time to seek and to save that which was lost. The second time He's coming, He's coming as the conquering King that will sovereignly take over. There's not going to be... The ACLU is not going to be like, well, all right, before, he, before you can come here on the planet, we need to have a meeting. That's not happening. Can I get an amen from somebody that, uh, glory to God, that didn't happen. He's going to come and he's going to set up his rule and reign. And no one will be able to set, stop that. And there will be massive celebration. This is what 
the song Joy to the World, it was written, it was written in such a way that this was the idea that Christ has come and set up his kingdom. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Like this is the idea of that song. Oh, that we would do that as people together. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of us here. And my hope is that if you're here, that you would, if you've not surrendered your heart to the King of Kings, that this would be the perfect day to do it. What a day to celebrate Christmas. What a day to celebrate that Christ has come to set you free by repenting of your sins and trusting the gospel. So I'll leave you with Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. This is when Jesus kicked off his ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse 15 says, Behold, the kingdom of God is here. What do you do? Repent of your sins and trust the good news. Repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Repent of your sins and believe the good news that Jesus came to live the perfect life, die the death that you deserve, but be raised three days later for your justification. Oh, what a glorious good day. Amen? Let's stand together. We're going to sing this together. Ready? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let her receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Father, thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room. God, thank you for the families that are represented here. God, I pray a magic and beautiful blessing over every family that's here. And God, that you would, that you would permeate the hearts and the minds and the lives of the people that are present. And then we would trust you and we would know you and we would long to serve you. God, thank you for coming and being born to redeem us and to reconcile us back to yourself. Help us not to lose sight of that, Father. Help us to be like the wise man and stay focused and, and, and sacrifice where we need to and keep our, keep our eyes focused on the star of the gospel. God, we love you and we praise you. In, my, in your mighty and precious name we pray all this. Amen. Thank you and I love you all. Merry Christmas.